what is really happening in America as we approach the 2020 elections? Outspoken Americans on both sides of the political aisle have been warning whoever will listen that the country is on the precipice of a second civil war, but they're only half right. We are already at war, but it's not one over race, geography, gender, or class, but rather ideology. Strap in tight, because we're going to take on this issue today on The Rob Mana Show. Hey friends, you need to check out Mammoth Nation, America's conservative discount club. They're on a mission to get Trump reelected and keep liberal Democrats, aka socialists and communists, out of office. These guys really mean business, folks. I wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Go to mammothnation.com. It's only $19 a year, and here's what you get. Really great discounts on all sorts of products and services. You're automatically entered into the Mammoth Election Day sweepstakes. There's some great prizes, including a 65-inch Samsung TV. You're going to love this thing. I'm sure you will because I do. I'm a lifetime member. And if you become a lifetime member today, you get a free Trump flag and some other really cool items. So once again, that's mammothnation.com. Let's go. Join us right now so we can win in November. seen the new movie, Friends? Last month, we had producer and director Dinesh D'Souza on to talk about his new movie, Trump Card. And now it's been out on streaming channels everywhere for more than a week. Trump Card spends most of its 106 minutes covering the history of global socialism and trying to figure out why this form of pie-in-the-sky government is so appealing to so many uninformed young Americans. For any natural-born or naturalized American citizen over the age of 50 or so, the idea of putting your arms and embracing socialism or its first cousin communism is really abhorrent. These virtually indistinguishable approaches to government eventually fell out of favor to varying degrees in their countries of origin, the former Soviet Union and China. The U.S. was built on capitalism and the free enterprise system and has survived the American Revolution, the Civil War, the Great Depression, and several recessions, and doing so while defending these principles. Instead of waving a flag or beating the drum of American patriotism, though, the Souza's movie tracks the origins of socialism, Marxism, communism, to their founding with stark, sober, clear-eyed assessment. Vladimir Lenin, working from Marxist Das Kapital texts, appealed to the Russian masses' collective disenchantment with a centuries-old monarchy, and with relatively little opposition, overthrew the largest and one of the oldest countries in the world. With little to no proof this everyone-is-equal concept would ever hold water, the Chinese, led by Mao Zedong, adopted an exact, if not quite similar, form of tyrannical oppression and the seeds of socialism were sown. The Russians and the Chinese then began a super spreader form of capture and enforcement of neighboring countries and for a little bit over 60 years 
More than half of the world's population lived under soul-crushing socialism and communist rule. In the time since, socialism and communism has failed miserably and now only exists in the satellite countries of Cuba, Venezuela, and North Korea in its old form. The mother countries of Russia and China are socialist in name only, and each recognizes the only way out of third world status is by embracing capitalism in their own ways. This movie also covers the Democrat Party primary circus that resulted in Joe Biden being the nominee and exposes his son and other family members who have seemingly magically collected massive wealth. But it also highlights the use of the word free by all the socialist primary candidates and points out what most of us already know. With socialism, you eventually run out of other people's money and your country fails. Well, Dinesh is back with us this week to discuss the movie's reviews and more importantly, what he is hearing from the American people about how they feel about the movie and the upcoming election in less than three weeks. I'd like to welcome my friend Dinesh D'Souza whose movie Trump Card is out and lots of feedback coming in on it. From what I can see, I really enjoyed it. Back to the Rob Mana Show. Dinesh, it's good to see you, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure. Good to be on the show. Well, the movie uh, is fantastic, by the way. I got to give you a compliment on it, my friend. But, uh, but you filmed this, this story about socialism uh, for a few reasons, but why did you want to tell the story about socialism here before the election uh, and all of its failures and non-successes? Well, the, um, the reason is that socialism, I think, is the end point for the democratic left. That's the goal. They're doing a lot of shenanigans, but those shenanigans are the means. So what is their end? Where are they trying to take America? I believe they're trying to take America toward the United States of Socialism. Now, some of my earlier movies have been highly historical. They've been 50% history. This movie is not. Uh, and the reason is that I don't think that it's sufficient to refute this new socialism by simply saying uh, it's been tried before and it's never worked. Therefore, it will not work in the future. Uh, I could have made that kind of a movie. Uh, and we, of course, refer to history but history is uh, 10 minutes in this movie, and 90% um, of it focuses on what's going on now and what, are the, what is the new type of socialism that the left is trying to push on us. It's very different than anything that Marx could have envisioned. Yeah, it seems, uh, it seems very nuanced uh, now, which you do bring out in the movie. Uh, and the biggest pushback that I've seen uh, from... Uh, Twitter accounts like Democrat Socialists of America, which is a real organization, is that, well, it's never been tried correctly uh, before uh, to try to use that historical failures as a way to get around that. But that's not necessarily the case. It's really still the same type of, it's the same thing. It's socialism where government is going to have a command economy and liberties are going to be severely constrained, if not eliminated altogether, as the United States knows them. Uh, but they do it in a different way, correct? Yes, I think that's a very good summary. Uh, socialism has two components. The first is economic confiscation. 
the turning over of resources from the private economy and from your pocket to the state. And the second component is an attack on civil liberties, uh, an attack on freedom, on your ability to live your life the way that you want. Uh, now, so socialism in the past and in the present is the same in those two regards. I think what's different is number one, the left says, uh, we don't want authoritarian socialism, we want democratic socialism. Number two, they say that socialism does work in one place, Scandinavia, and so they appeal to the Scandinavian model. Um, and number three, I've noticed that their socialism has far more to do with race and gender and identity politics than it has to do with class, which was the original Marxist division of society, basically into the rich and the poor. But for the left today, it's also about black versus white and male versus female and straight versus gay and legal against illegal. So you can see that the left is more divisive than Marx. They're dividing society in many different ways. He just wanted to divide it in one way. So one of their goals, as you said, is to, is to take your wealth and get it to the state. Uh, how exactly are the Democrat socialists that we're seeing in America today, which I consider the, Democrat, the current De Democrat party uh, a socialist political party, how are they attempting to achieve that goal? Uh, is, uh, and is it going to be uh, all one fell swoop? Or are they going to continue this, what appears to be the last hundred years, you know, one little bit at a time uh, and those kind of things from an economic perspective? I think uh, that the Democrats, um, socialism has come into the Democratic mainstream. And um, although Biden says, I defeated the socialist, uh, well, first of all, he didn't. The Democrats picked him and they pushed all the other candidates out of the race. Um, Biden is a sort of socialist light, maybe. You could say that he differs from Bernie, sort of the way push differs from shove. In other words, it's just a matter of degree. Uh, now, the base of the Democratic Party uh, is, has moved left. And that means that the old centrist elements in the Democratic Party are today very rare and very weak and have no ability to control forces like Black Lives Matter or Antifa. So I expect to see uh, if there were a Biden administration with a cooperative Congress that the left would be constantly pushing the Democrats to do more and to move faster and to pack the court and to take away guns and to undermine civil liberties. So there would be essentially constant pressure from the left to um, move us, to accelerate the movement toward the United States of Socialism. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, I think uh, the attack on liberties that comes with the removing wealth from the individual and giving it to the state is, uh, you're right on the money. You're, you, it, it's going to be through the Supreme Court. It already has been. Uh, through the Supreme Court, uh, and if Biden gets in, they will pack the court, even though I know he refuses to answer the question. I've run for office before. I cannot imagine uh, me saying, I'm not going to answer the question because you, the voter, don't need to know uh, when asked about an issue and still even being competitive in a race, but apparently well, he, he said, is. Biden said most recently you know, that he's, quote, not a fan of packing yeah. the court. But let's think about this, packing the court. We're not talking, by the way, about a reasonable debate about what the ideal yeah. number of members should be on the court and how we maintain the independence of the court and how we make sure that both parties are well represented, none of that. 
we're talking about packing the court is a completely different thing. It essentially means uh, increasing the number of justices under a, a narrow window so you can push through and create a sort of rigged majority on the court uh, and thus cement social policies through, through judicial, essentially rubber stamping. So it's a destruction of the independence of the court. That's really what this is about. So if he says, if he were to say, I'm not a fan of destroying the court, I'm not a fan of destroying our political institutions. I mean, this is a very creepy thing for a very creepy man to say. Yeah, taking the one non-political branch of the three branches of the federal government and turning it into a partisan, political, super legislative body, in my opinion, uh, uh, destroys it, whether you want to admit it or not, Mr. Biden. Uh, and speaking of SCOTUS, uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett is uh, at her confirmation hearings this week, and we're seeing the left uh, uh, try to attack uh, not just her, but the president and the Republicans on uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, gun control, and how she's going to uh, judge that those types of cases. And of course, she is much like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her answers. I watched uh, uh, Ginsburg's testimony years ago, and she continuously had to remind the senators, you know, uh, that I am not going to, and I'm not going uh, able to comment on uh, any upcoming cases. It wouldn't be judicially prudent. Uh, and that is the long held, not just tradition, but process to maintain the independence of the judiciary. But they sure are pushing her and trying to get her to violate that concept, aren't they? Well, it is true that um, these nominees rarely divulge where they stand on issues, but I do want to point out an important difference between the two sides, and that is that uh, Republicans seem to believe that we should nominate justices based upon their commitment to a judicial process, to a kind of mechanism of judicial interpretation. And I saw heard Senator Ben Sass saying today, you know, you're you're not really dry, um, you're sort of indifferent to what the policy outcomes are. That that's not your job. Is it a judge's job? Really, is to apply the correct process. Now, it should be noted that this is not how the left operates, and I don't even think this is how they nominate judges. When they nominate judges, they pay attention to specific outcomes. So when they pick a Breyer or a Kagan or a Sotomayor or a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they're saying. We're making sure that we pick somebody who is committed to upholding Roe versus Wade and upholding the expansion of entitlements and upholding all the things that we want to do. They're very careful to pick judges that are on their side politically. And I think this is why their judges have been more reliable than ours. We're from going back to Sandra Day O'Connor through David Souter, uh, Anthony Kennedy, even Chief Justice Roberts. Um, it's uh, it's kind of keeping your fingers crossed to see where these dudes will come out. And that's because we're paying attention to process, not outcomes. They pay attention only to outcomes. Yeah, I have to agree with that, too, Dinesh. I mean, there is very clear in the questioning that these Democrats are focused on policies, not focused on, you know, uh, interpreting the law as it's written or as it was intended to do or uh, or treating the Constitution as written law instead of some living, breathing document that they can change uh, at will uh, to meet the needs of a current society. And we don't get what we think we're getting on the conservative side, do we? I mean, John Roberts, he, 
he, he basically took uh, what I believe and many others believe is an unconstitutional law with uh, the Affordable Care Act and, and uh, in his, in his uh, you know, opinion uh, where the Affordable Care Act was withheld, upheld, he, he blatantly rewrote the law to make it a tax for that mandate, which was a penalty, not a tax, uh, to make that thing constitutional. And that was a travesty of justice that I hope we get to see overturned someday. Uh, I do too, although I, I must say that our, our side, if I can put it this way, takes must take a little blame for this because let's think about it. The, Roberts's judicial philosophy is deference to the legislature. In a democratic society, he says the people make the laws. Uh, and the judge ultimately is just there ultimately to um, enforce the Constitution and allow the laws to sort of go through as long as they don't violate constitutional standards. So I think mm -hmm. Roberts looked at Obamacare and he goes, who passed this? The legislature did. Now, they might have mislabeled it, but nevertheless, they did pass it. So I should defer to the wisdom of the legislature, even though this might have been by one vote, but that's none of my business to figure out. So think about this. This wasn't a case of, of, of Roberts radically departing from the kind of conservative judicial philosophy, but rather of applying it. So the point I want to make, I'm just raising the larger question of when one side comes in dedicated to outcomes and we are dedicated to process, I think this is the root of why our justices can be unreliable. Uh, we don't pick them on the basis of, hey, we want to make sure you're going to vote our way every time. Yeah. Well, so what do you think about Barrett so far? Uh, have you uh, done any in-depth research into her? I mean, she seems pretty process oriented, too, to me, based on what I've seen her from her writing. She does. I mean, I, I can only hope that it's a little bit of a wink, wink process. And quite honestly, what I mean by that is that she actually does have a very clear view of some of these specific cases, but she also recognizes that there's a little bit of a procedural game to play. So she's putting on a little bit of a ballet performance for the Senate. Uh, of course, um, you know, to see uh, Amy Coney Barrett in front of these Democratic senators is like Joe Lewis taking on the bum of the month. Uh, I mean, it's a knockout every single time. Uh, and very entertaining to watch. Uh, and I'm, it it's is. kind of funny that she's doing it without notes. They, they all come highly equipped with focus groups and polls and notes. And, you know, nevertheless, they end up flat on their backs on the canvas. So uh, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, as am I. I'm uh, thoroughly enjoying the show. And, uh, uh, and uh, I have a hope that she is more of an Antonin Scalia than a process-oriented person because Scalia was very oriented towards the law itself and, and what the outcome is supposed to be in the United States of America, as opposed to, you know, being devoted to the process, like uh, your very apt and good description of John Roberts. Uh, so let's hope we started making better choices uh, uh, and everything. Uh, how are you? I know you've been traveling a lot. Uh, we talked about it before we started the show. Uh, so what kind, first of all, what kind of feedback are you getting from the people that have seen the movie? Well, the reaction is is just tumultuous, and you know, I'm 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 very proud of the fact that I make movies. Now, when I put them in the theater, I had a single test. I want the whole audience to stand up at the end of the movie and applaud. And of course, that, as you know, that's an extremely rare reaction for people in a theater because there's nobody really there. It's just a spontaneous reaction. I've been lucky to get that with all my movies. Now, this movie is not in the theater, uh, but it's on Apple iTunes, it's on Google, it's on YouTube, it's going up on a whole bunch of cable platforms. We're expecting on Amazon Prime very soon. 
soon. So you got to watch this movie at home. It's by digital download, or of course you can buy a physical DVD, uh, walmart.com or Target. Um, and trumpcardthemovie.com is how you can find out uh, where the movie is playing. Um, no, it's the reaction's been fantastic. I just want this movie to get out everywhere because the truth of it is, I think if every American saw this movie, it would be a massive landslide for Trump and the GOP. Yeah, I wrote a question down uh, about the target audience. You know, in my mind, after watching the movie and talking uh, to you about it, is the target audience really ought to be the uh, age uh, 35 to 18 voting demographic. Uh, do you have a sense that any of those that have actually seen it uh, can appreciate what we're talking about? Because, you know, most of us that are over 50, I mean, we're, we're just like, no way on socialism and, and what it leads to and those kind of things. But the younger crowds, the ones that are buying it and voting for Bernie. Well, I'll just sort of give it to you straight. I mean, I think that the, our movies, by and large, are going to reach more of the true believers um, who, are in, who are going to be committed to like, wow, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to watch this movie. Um, and um, but and that, there's a benefit in reaching the true believer, you know, for sure. I mean, think of it. Um, people say, why are you preaching to the converted? But pastors preach to the converted every Sunday. Firing up the converted is important even in an election. But it's also true that you want a movie to reach the undecided. And the truth of it is that the Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee and the super PACs have the contact information and the email addresses of undecided voters. They, and not me, have the ability to blast out the movie or the links to the movie to all these people. So it is uniquely in their power for this movie to reach the kind of people who will make the difference. And I don't know if they will do it. I'm kind of making a public appeal in various ways for them to do it, because I think that it's a different kind of narrative that than they're putting out. It, it complements what they're doing, but they can't do what I'm doing and what I've done. So this is a very powerful weapon. It's out there. Uh, and I just hope that somebody thinks fit to use it. That's a, that's a great input uh, for my viewers, folks. You heard what Dinesh just said. Send notes to the Republican committee and the campaigns and all the PACs supporting the president and ask them to send this movie out to these undecided voters and to the base uh, the, for those that might not have seen it so that, so that, the, that we can not just be energized but maybe convince some of these undecideds that they need to vote for the fortunes of the United States of America. So speaking of the election, Dinesh, uh, uh, let's wind it up with this question. And that is, you have been traveling a lot. Uh, the polls show the president, uh, President Trump is down uh, in double digits in a lot of cases nationally, uh, the, the public polling. The public polling shows Biden is ahead uh, with uh, slim to sometimes double digit leads in the swing states, the competitive swing states. Uh, what do you think is really happening here? Are, are, are we seeing a repeat of 2016 polling, uh, which is hard to figure out? I don't want to be in my own echo chamber uh, and not realize what's really happening, but it sure looks like that. But surely the president's doing better than what these polls are saying, showing. I think that's true, but I don't know if he's doing well enough to win a decisive victory, which I think he needs. Um, and um, and I think that um, we should never we should try not to confuse what we want to be the case with what is going to be the case. I remember uh, even back in 2012, I would say to people sometimes, you know, I think that Romney is going to lose. 
They'd be like, what? How can you say that? I thought you were a Republican. I thought you were a conservative. I'm like, well, I'm, not, I'm voting for Romney. I said I want him to win, but I'm making a distinction between what I wish will happen and what I think is going to happen. Those are two different things. Now, uh, all this being said, I think that um, the, the kind of the open question is there's a lot of sort of unrest and disorder, division. I do think the American people are, are uh, tired about it and frustrated about it. The real question is, who do they blame for it? Uh, do they blame Trump for it? Do they think, hey, if Trump wasn't president, Antifa would go away, Black Lives Matter will go away, America will return to normal? If that's the case, it's very bad news for Trump. On the other hand, if they see that, look, Trump didn't cause all this, uh, the, the division caused him, and all these crazies on the left are causing all this trouble, and they need to be taught a lesson. Uh, and the lesson is that we vote for Trump and, and we, we continue to expose the deep state. That's how we want, that's how I want people to think. That's the message of this movie is very powerfully articulated in that way. And so uh, I'm not in the prognostication business. I'm just going to do my best to make the case against socialism and in favor of freedom and try to get that message out to as many people. Now, the mystery is if I were on the left, the whole Democratic National Committee, all the PACs would be sort of all over this movie. They'd be pushing it out. Yeah. But, but it's really baffling to me how, um, how Republicans, in a way, respond in such inert ways um, even when the, a product like this is available to them. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard a whisper from the Republican National Committee. I frankly don't even know what they do. Well, I share your concern, my friend, because uh, I was just uh, talking to a colleague yesterday about the lack of anything that I'm seeing from a concrete telling the positive story way uh, about this great successes that not just the president, but the Republican Party uh, has had over the last four years, uh, whether it's uh, ending the end of floor policy to uh, cutting regulations to before the uh, the virus uh, uh, having such a great economy and, and the big indicator for me was wages rising amongst all of the minority demographics that have been struggling to do that. Government policy has been struggling to successfully do that for decades now. And this guy and this political party were able to do that. And I want to see more of that story told and more of the dangers of what we're going to be facing if Joe Biden and the Socialist Democrat Party are voted into power and they are able to take all that power that the American people have no idea really uh, how bad it is going to be. So we'll push to uh, get this out too and make sure that our voices are being heard by the Republican National Committee and these super PACs especially. Uh, let's get it out there. So we appreciate you coming on, sir. Give the website one more time, uh, and we'll also put it when we put the video out of the show, uh, and we'll publicize it widely. Uh, that website is simply trumpcardthemovie.com, trumpcardthemovie.com, and it links both to places that you can buy the physical DVD, and it also links to places that you can download the movie. Uh, if you can, watch it on your big screen TV. It was actually made for the big screen, so it has that largeness to it. Uh, but of course, you can watch it on any device. Watch it, folks. Uh, I have, uh, and uh, my family and I uh, love the movie and the messages, the right message that we need to be getting to not just the, uh, the choir, but also to the independents that are going to be going out there and voting, that are going out there and voting right now. Thanks, Dinesh, for coming on. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you very much.
America's under attack, and they're all around us. I'm talking about liberal Democrats, and they're out to destroy everything that we've worked so hard for. Mammoth Nation's here to fight for you. You only get one vote, so let's join forces. We support conservative lawmakers and the causes you hold so dearly. We stand behind our police, veterans, the Second Amendment, and much more. We need your help, so join today. We'd like to thank Dinesh D'Souza, my friend and a great patriotic American for coming on the show with less than three weeks to go to uh, probably the most consequential election for the United States of America since 1864 and Abraham Lincoln's re-election. Uh, folks, get out there and go vote. Take 10 people with you to go vote, and we will win this election and put Donald Trump back in the White House for four more years and hopefully take the House and the Senate and get the United States back on track to a free country. Until next week, I'm Rob Manning.